welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Austin. And this week, um, I, I want to talk about, honestly, uh, just some some terminology, uh, some phrasing, some, some shorthand, if you will. You know, I, I got the opportunity uh, this past weekend uh, to to head it up to Northern Michigan, uh, with Ryan and, uh, get him all situated put his blind up for hunting season, uh, which is rapidly approaching here in Michigan. Um, in Michigan, you know, we're, we're big deer hunters here. I say that we, uh, as the general populace, uh, not myself personally so much, but it, uh, the, the prospect, the idea is definitely growing on me. Uh, and I definitely enjoyed the time away from home. Um, but just talking through stuff with Ryan, uh, in the car ride and we spent some good time at the range and, you know, obviously working through the woods and whatnot. Um, and it, it seemed like it might be a good idea to do an episode on some of the phrasing, some of the vernacular, um, you know, just the stuff that's thrown a lot or thrown around a lot in, in the two, a, the tactical space, I mean, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we use a lot of shorthand, whether we, we realize it or not. And there's a lot of stuff that, um, that we, as, as people that, that know about this stuff, um, you know, we kind of dismiss it as, oh, well that that's basic. That's easy. That's normal. But, um, we're all kind of beginners at one point in time. And to a lot of people, it just comes across as we're speaking another language. Uh, and I can understand that because there, there's a lot to it. Um, and there's a lot of different parallels that can be drawn from a lot of different things. So, uh, I thought it'd be really good to dive into some of that. And, um, some of this isn't even exactly textbook. It's obviously, it's just my, my, uh, my definition, my explanation put to a lot of these terms. But, um, <clears throat> before I get too far into it, obviously want to make sure that we thank our presenting sponsors for this, for this podcast. We are a sponsored podcast. First up, is slimfitholsters.com. Uh, we are newly partnered with them. They hooked us up with our discount code, which is prepared10. It's going to knock off 10% of your order. Uh, guys, if you're looking for a holster for concealed carry, for overt carry, they've got you covered. All right. Personally, I'm, I've been running the last couple of weeks their Gladius appendix rig. Um, it, it, it couples the pistol holster with the spare magazine carrier with a shock cord, which is common in the industry these days, but it's done very, very well by the folks over at slim fit. The gladius is an awesome holster, their rubber wedge, which I've not seen by any other companies. Uh, I've seen foam wedges. I've seen, uh, you know, dimpling or large indents right in the actual kydex itself, but nothing like this rubber, which it's very, very comfortable. And it, it really aids with concealment for the Gladius and also their Guard Ultra, um, which is their standalone holster that's used for appendix carry, couples very well with one of their mag carriers. If you're not big on appendix carry, that's fine. You can check out their Guard, okay? That's designed specifically for three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock carry uh, with the, you know, the foamy clips or the mono block clips that are, that are really popular if you're not carrying appendix. And they cover a wide, wide variety of pistol manufacturers and makes. Um, they even can can cover some revolvers for those of you that uh, prefer to carry a wheel gun. Um, they, they got shaken care of. And maybe you want to carry something outside the waistband. Maybe you're you're of the overt persuasion. Uh, the Victorious is their new model that came out that goes, uh, it's got belt loops built in. You can rock it on a couple different angles if you want the FBI cant, if you want the vertical cant. 
It can be set up all kinds of different ways, uh, as well as their DDL. If you're looking for something to run on a drop leg platform uh, with or without a hood, right, for, for retention purposes, they can take care of you with the DDL. Great, great option. Again, our code for Slim Fit Holsters is PREPARED10. It's going to save 10% off. And they also offer dump trays and core belts. Uh, belts are a huge thing, guys. I just picked one up for my dad. Um, you know, he's going to get one for his birthday. Uh, if he's hearing this, uh, his birthday's next week. If he's hearing this, then, well, happy early birthday, and you know what you're getting. Uh, but if not, <clears throat> he's he's going to love it. I know it. Um, belts are huge. When we talk about carrying concealed. Uh, it makes it, it makes or breaks the comfort, the comfortability, and the experience altogether. So I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you guys check that stuff out over at slimfitholsters.com. One more time, our code is PREPARED10. It's going to save 10% off your order. Uh, great bunch of guys over there doing some awesome work. They actually just launched their new website, so head over and check it out. Also, mymedic.com. Guys, uh, it's the last day of September. September has been national preparedness month, and mymedic has gone all out uh, to try and spread information and educate people on why it's important to be prepared. They've done a ton of videos, uh, a ton of posts on social media, and this is aside from what they already do, offering instructional videos, instructional information, uh, and and great products. You know, uh, their kits, their supply, uh, you know, supply kits that you can buy, as well as the actual MyFact kits or the Medic, the Recon. Uh, they have an uh, they have a, a mechanics medic or an auto medic that you can carry in your vehicle. It's designed specifically to be kept and, and carried in the vehicle. The cycle medic, right? People are out there. They ride bikes. You guys go mountain biking. Um, you're talking about long marathon riding. <clears throat> they have a cycle medic that covers you. Their discount code for us, they hooked us up. Mindset twenty knocks twenty percent off your order. I actually just used it myself today to pick up uh, a, a single person stretcher that uh, folds up. I can you know keep in the back of the jeep, um, and as well as another uh, cat tourniquet. Uh, I can never have enough cat tourniquets around. Um, and Zeph, my good buddy over at My Medic, was cool enough to send me one of their EDC medics. Which is a small pouch about the <clears throat> about the size of your dad's wallet. I only say that because you know dad wallets are extra thick, uh, but it, it comes with a chest seal, some gauze, some gloves, and a rat's tourniquet, rapid application tourniquet, um, and it's got loops on the back with snaps, so it can be put on a regular belt. It can be woven into some molly. It maybe you're doing what I did when I was up north this weekend, and you're just rocking the chest rig. You can snap it on in there, and you always have it with you. And it's just the bare essentials. It's none of the extra stuff that you might not need. You're not sure if you're going to need it. It's the bare essentials. And that's, I, I really dig it. I just got it the other day, and I'm super, super excited. It's going to be uh, a staple for me when I leave the house from now on. Uh, MyMedic.com, guys, they're doing tons of great stuff. Uh, like I said, lots of educational material, lots of options. Even if you're looking to fill out an existing kit, they want to make sure that, that they get you whatever you need. And if you have questions... You know, uh, you can call their customer service. They'll tell you what you need. They'll tell you everything you need and not one thing more, which is the great thing about MyMedic. Again, our discount code is Mindset20, MyMedic.com. Head over and check them out. But getting into it this week, um, like I said, there's there's a lot of vernacular and shorthand, um, a lot of uh, nomenclature, if you will, that gets thrown around in our space. Um where people that are just learning, um, not necessarily super immersed 
in what's going on, they may not understand what we're talking about. I know I talk to friends about this stuff and they look at me like I'm crazy. <clears throat> hey, what are you talking about, man? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sorry. Let me dumb this down a little bit. Let me put this in normal, uh, you know, normal people speak for you to understand. So, um, I did try to organize this list I put together, um, into a couple, I guess, different phases. So it kind of, fl- you know, flows together a little bit. Um, but <clears throat> there's not really a great way to do it. So I'm just going to jump into a couple of these things we're going to talk about a little bit, and I'm going to share some of uh, my thoughts on, on what they mean, how they're, you know, they, they're used, why they're used, you know, first off, a big one is sit rep, which is uh, short for situation report. You know, tell me what's going on. Give me the update. Uh, if, if you guys follow our podcast, you know, we do our Sunday sit reps, um, every couple of weeks as, uh, as current events dictate basically, I know our last one, we kind of, <laughs> the last two were, were pretty spread out, but we try to do it, you know, at least once a month, talk about current events, uh, give you guys a situation report. What's going on in the world that you need to be concerned with that you need to, you know, be talking about or be hearing about, right? That's, that's a sit rep. We shorten it up from situation report, or instead of just saying, Hey, what's going on? Tell me what's up. We can just say, what's the sit rep. Okay. Um, the next one would be OPSEC. And I, I dropped this one uh, a couple times on my brother and he had he looked at me like I had, you know, two freaking heads. OPSEC <clears throat> is shorthand for operational security. You know, essentially, how are you keeping the details of what you're doing, what you're working on um, contained only to those who are on the need to know basis? Uh, essentially, it's how you're keeping secrets, uh, how you're going to keep what you're working on out of the mainstream. Um, and it could be anything from, Hey, um, you know, you can use it in, in everyday speaking. You're talking about just hiding Christmas gifts, right. Or in the military and and things like that, you don't want the details of what you're doing leaking out because then it gives, um, your enemy or even not your enemy, you know, just the other parties involved. It, uh, it gives them an opportunity to prepare, repel, all that stuff. Um, and, and even, it, it even goes past that, you know, there's just, there's sensitive information, um, that you don't want getting out things like your you know social security number or, uh, you know, how many firearms you own, things like that. That's, that's your business. It's nobody else's. So, uh, maintaining OPSEC, keeping, uh, everything locked down and on a need to know basis. Uh, Mill spec, mill spec is is thrown on all the time. Um, I think some people might actually think that it's a brand. Um, it's not. Mill spec is just uh, military specification, something made to the military's standards. We see this a lot <clears throat> with things like um, we talk about charging handles, right? On like an AR-15 mill spec charging handle. That's just it's basically it's the standard that comes on the AR-15 platform of rifles or M4 platform of rifles. Uh, talk about a mil spec trigger um, is just it's built to the military specification for what a trigger should be um, in a lot of ways it's viewed as not that great people think that you know military grade equipment is automatically tiers and tiers above the rest and I've said that I've said it before on this podcast talk to anybody who is talk to anybody who's actually served right and had to deal with with firearms or gear equipment that's been used by more than one other party, right? Uh, Sam has talked about it before. Um, the stuff is beat to shit and that's why it's built to the military standard, that mill spec standard, uh, so that it can, it, it, it holds up to it, right? From a budgetary standpoint, the longer you can make things like that last, the less money you have to spend on replacements, right? 
So that's that's all mil spec means. It's just military specifications for building. Um, MOS, right? If we uh, were to ask people in the military, you know, what was your job? What did you do? Your MOS was, you know, um, it, it was a 18 Bravo in a special operations or something like that, or 18 X-ray. Uh, it's just the the name or the code that is assigned to your specific position uh, and, and your specific occupation while in the military. Now we had Jake Golding on several weeks back. He was essentially a, a Harrier mechanic, but rather than saying Harrier mechanic, they actually have a name for that and a military occupational specialty. Um, keeping with the administrative side of things, this, it kind of steps out a little bit, but um, NGOs, non-governmental agencies. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little bit, you've heard uh, our discussion on some of the recent events. Uh, if you've been watching the news, you've been seeing coverage of those same recent events in Afghanistan uh, with the botched withdrawal of the military, uh, you know, post-war on terror, essentially, by the Biden administration. Um, why that's relevant is because NGOs, non-governmental uh, organizations or non-governmental agencies <clears throat> are the ones that are over there still working to get the existing uh, American personnel out of the hostile area. Uh, not necessarily straight back to the U.S., but at least to friendly countries where they're safe. They don't have to worry about, uh, you know, <laughs> being shot in the street just for being American uh, or being deliberately targeted like they are in Afghanistan right now. Um, you know, non-governmental uh, organizations or agencies uh, also like um, like the Red Cross, uh, things like that. A lot of these uh, volunteer and, uh, you know, aid or aid based organizations are referred to commonly as NGOs. Um, let's see what else I put down here. SOP, right? Standard operating procedures. I know I've used this in some conference calls at work and I kind of, um, I get some questions or we're on a video call. I get some looks, but SOP is just your, um, you know, your standard operating procedures, how you do things, what's, what your daily process is. Um, you know, uh, if you're walking into a situation in the workplace and you don't know what's going on, you say, okay, why did this happen? They go, well, this is, this is what we do. And this is what happened. I go, well, what's your SOP for this? And you know, people might not know what you're talking about, but if they can, ex if you understand what's your standard operating procedure, what's your process for this, they can explain to you what they do, which in a lot of ways can then lead to some problem solving and things like that. But, um, you know, we all have policies, we all have procedures we adhere to, even in our own daily lives, we have, we have processes that we, uh, that we work into <clears throat> and we abide by personally. And that's just, those are our SOPs. Uh, but that's what that stands for. Standard operating procedure. Um, one that I had to look up cause I had, I'd actually heard it used on a grand thumb video was, uh, he said for your essay and I didn't really understand what that was cause I actually hadn't heard it before, but it stuck with me for a couple weeks and then, you know, I'm like, what, what the hell is that? So I guess, you know, essay, all that stands and it's not, Hey, essay, um, for those of you that know that I'm Mexican and want to, you know, drop a remark, it's, um, SA is situational awareness. So saying just for your essay is like saying, you know, FYI, or Hey, be aware, this is what's going on. Um, you know, just, Hey, this is what's up. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, Oscar Mike, I don't personally use that. Um, very often I've had friends send it to me in text messages. I've gotten, you know, uh, phone calls and stuff that end that way. It's Oscar Mike is just OM, you know, on the move. 
Uh, and that's, um, if you're familiar with anything in the military, you know, Bravo Zulu is, you know, good work, stuff like that. You use, you spell out letters, um, you know, alpha, beta, Charlie, Delta, um, which makes it easier during communication to be very clear and to make sure that you're understood for what you're trying to communicate rather than just saying, you know, okay, I'm my way. And it's, I'm sorry, what did you say? You know, okay, I'm on my way. I'm sorry. It's Oscar Mike. Got it. Oscar Mike on the move. You're on your way. I understand. Thank you for clarifying. Um, kind of in the same breadth of that is RTB, which is just return to base. Um, I mean, I've obviously as a civilian, you're probably not going to use that very often unless you're playing paintball or capture the flag or something. Or I mean, I don't know. Um, but uh, that's that's thrown a lot thrown around a lot in TV shows and video games and um, you know stuff like that. Um, another one. Now here's a good one. This is something that I've used before when explaining to people um, <clears throat> choices in optics and things like that is PID. PID is your positive identification. So when people ask, you know, why do you need a rifle scope that zooms up to six magnification or eight magnification? Are you really going to be reaching out to, you know, 300 yards or whatever to make that shot? My answer typically is no, no, I'm not. They will, then what do you need that shit for? They won't because you want to be able to identify what you're shooting at because it may not be a threat. It could be a friendly it could be somebody, you know, um, that, that, you know, in terms of hunting, you could be thinking that you're shooting at a deer and it could be, I don't know, an elk. Um, and, uh, if you're not uh, familiar <clears throat> with the two, um, you know, elk, elk hunting is very controlled in most parts of this country because the elk population was almost hunted to extinction. All right, so you you have to go into a lottery just to get the opportunity to get one of these tags. So if you if you bag an elk accidentally, um, that's poaching, brother, and that's uh, that's hefty fines. That's that's possible jail time um, and negligence and ignorance. By the way, just as with all things firearms related, that's not an excuse. So you're not gonna you're not gonna walk away from that one just because you didn't know or hey, it looked like to me. You're responsible every time you pull that trigger. You're responsible for everything that that happens, right? So you have to be in the know and, and be aware of what you're you're shooting at. So positive ID, whether it's of a target or anything else, is critical. Um, obviously, IED kind of rolls off the tongue in that same uh, breath. IED is just an improvised explosive device. You hear it, again, a lot in TVs and movies. Um, unfortunately, with the war on terror, that's we kind of saw the... I really feel bad saying the renaissance of the IED, but um, you really... I, we did. We experienced the renaissance of the IED. People, uh, not people, terrorists, Al-Qaeda, um, you know, they got very creative um, and very resourceful in the ways that they were able to trigger, rig up, um, build <clears throat> these improvised devices to um, maim and kill U.S. soldiers uh, during the war. You know, so uh, if someone says IED, that's that's what we're talking about. Um, now, carrying on from that would obviously be a medevac. If you were in a, an IED situation, you'd need a medevac or a medical evacuation. Um, 
sometimes it's referring to the vehicle. It's a, or it can be referring to a vehicle itself, a, uh, whether it's a actual on the ground vehicle or a helicopter or something. Sometimes your medevac is just a plan for how you're going to get wounded people out. Should they be, you know, injured? Um, you know, no matter, no matter how severely, but if it's something where you, you don't remain, um, healthy enough to continue on. And, and that could be something, you know, if you're going for one of these extra long hikes or something and you need to, I mean, in parts of this country where people go out for weeks at a time backpacking and stuff, it's not a bad idea to have a medevac plan, you know, a satellite phone or something where you're going to be able to reach um, a ranger station or help in the event that somebody falls and gets stuck, uh, breaks a leg, whatever. They, they need immediate attention. It's It's not a bad idea to have a medevac plan in place. Um, let's see here. There's some good ones. Um, UAV, uh, that's a unmanned aerial vehicle or a drone, right? And I think we see uh, a lot more of the romanticizing of drone technology now just because um, <clears throat> it's, it's more normalized and obviously that it takes, uh, you know, soldiers' lives out of the equation to an extent. Unfortunately, I think um, we're starting to get some negative, uh, some negative press, publicity. I mean, whatever you want to say, because um, they're not always the most accurate or effective. Um, there are limitations to drone technology and camera technology. We just experienced again, again during this uh, this botched remove uh, pullout effort, whatever you want to call it, by the Biden administration from Afghanistan, there was a drone strike on some targets that actually turned out to be some NGO workers that were uh, at least at least part of them were American um, and they were non-combatants, but they were, you know, those they were killed in error. That was that was a drone strike that went that went wrong um, or a UAV strike. So for all the great things they can do there, it's not. It's not that simple when you get people to, why are we sending soldiers in to assassinate somebody? Why don't we just send in a drone? Because, you A, you need to be able to clearly tell what you're, you're targeting. But, B, if it is that high value of a target, you want to make sure you got the guy, <clears throat> right? Because otherwise it could lead to retaliatory measures and be this whole thing. But I digress. RPG, I think that one's pretty common, and a lot of people know that. If you ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, um, about the 1993 uh, mission in Mogadishu uh, with the downed helicopters, um, that in that movie they they scream RPG like 70 times. Uh, so if you've seen Josh, that movie with Josh Hartnett, um, and, and there's a million other guys in it too that you would recognize from just you know other movies and TV shows and things like that. Um, you're, you're familiar with that term. And I mean, appropriately in that, in that incident, uh, there were a lot of Russian RPGs that were, um, deployed against us forces. So uh, it wasn't something that was added by the, uh, by the director, by the, the advisors on the set. It just, it, that was reality. There was a lot of RPGs. Um, it just is what it is. Um, <clears throat> T triple C. This is something uh, I, I really wish more people knew about because um, it's it, if you want to put it in extra simplified layman's terms, it's like first aid on steroids. Um, triple T triple C stands for tactical combat casualty care. So basically it's field medicine. Combat medicine uh, is also another uh, title that's given to it, um, but it's the ability to properly treat um, combat injuries uh, and um the idea is that you're hopefully able to stable, stabilize uh, 
an individual enough to get them to that medevac point or plan or vehicle or whatever have you. Um, it's not, you know, finalized medicine. It's not big picture, but it's enough that's going to make you stable and transportable. Um, and for a lot of people, uh, that conceal carry T triple C classes are invaluable. Uh, like we, we save a lot here. If you have the ability to create a hole, you should also have the knowledge, not just the, the gear, right? Um, but in instances like that, you need to have the gear and the knowledge to plug said hole. Uh, that that's really important because sometimes there might be somebody that comes along that knows how to use that chest seal appropriately or something, but there also may not. So, um, the more you know yourself, the better off you'll be. Um, let's see here. Nods, N-O-D, uh, nods, night optic devices, uh, just night vision goggles. I remember I was watching TV one night, and uh, I, I don't even remember what I was watching, but I, you know, my wife was sitting with me, and she goes, oh, are those guys running nods? I'm like, oh, my God. I love you so much right now because you knew that. And yeah, uh, but yeah, just Disney vision goggles, nods, night optic devices, no big deal. Um, here's one. Here's a good one. Um, LPVO. When I talk to people about buying and building their, their first rifles or taking their existing rifle set up and wanting to make it more functional, <clears throat> LPVO is always something that comes up. And LPVO is a low power variable optic. So low power, meaning that at, at, at its lowest, it's a one-time magnification or basically non-magnified, right? Um, but you should be able to turn it up then to a four, six, or eight times uh, magnification or anywhere in between. You do also now with some of the more pricey uh, pieces of glass on, on the market, like the new Vortex Razor 1 to 10, you can get the 10 times magnification. Um, it's not the greatest. Uh, it's, it's it's pushing the limits of where our technology is right now. So you kind of um, you're kind of limited with how good the quality is and performances on these things. I think in the next ten years we're going to see it become the new normal, and as a result, obviously you're you're going to see that price tag come down because it's it's pretty hefty right now for for stuff that gives you a ten time magnification um, while also you know rolling down to one time magnification. Usually, if you want ten times. Um, or to want to get close to that, you see something like a three to nine is pretty common on like hunting rifles. Um, but three time magnification is still quite a bit. So rolling it all the way down doesn't quite give you that same, you know, one to one ratio that you, you do with your naked vision. But LPVO, you see it really, really often on AR-15s now. It's very, very popular uh, and used as, uh, they're used as tools for positive identification and target acquisition. Um, and pretty much every major brand has several offerings, you know, in the one to four, one to six, one to eight range. Um, okay. M-Lock. Uh, M-Lock is the modular, it's modular locking system that was created by Magpul Industries. And, uh, again, on AR-15s, uh, and, and other rifles too, but predominantly AR-15s, um, they're just horizontal slats that are, that are milled into your handguard that allow for the mounting of lights and grips and picatinny panels and things. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a locking system. It's a mounting system for accessories. Um, it's been officially chosen. It was a couple years ago by the military. So it's becoming pretty much the go-to, uh, the other, the other offering, obviously, if, if you know, is, uh, is key mod. 
um, works in a similar manner. You have a very slick handguard and you only, you can use this modular system to add on pieces and parts. Um, key mod is a little bit different. It's not just the horizontal slots, um, but it was created by Voltor Industries and they went the way of open source. They shared it with everybody. So anybody and everybody could go ahead and have access to it. Um, and I don't, I just, I don't think it's quite as strong as MLOC is what the research and the trials came out to, to show. So I think the military ultimately opted for MLOC and that's kind of why you're starting to see a lot less offerings for things like grips and hand stops and light mounts and light bars and stuff like that. You're starting to see a lot less of that stuff for key mod. There's, there's still some out there if you look hard enough. Um, but yeah, you're starting to see it really unfortunately go away because I, I actually liked key mod. Um, I don't like fighting with MLOC. I'm really bad at it, but, uh, it's, <clears throat> Hey, what are you going to do? Right. Um, okay. So kind of moving out a little bit in, and moving on to some other stuff is a little bit different. Um, IWB and AIWB are abbreviations that you'll see a lot on websites, on Facebook pages and things, uh, for, inside waistband, IWB, or appendix inside waistband. Um, and it's just the abbreviation, obviously, for different types of holsters, right? Um, inside the waistband, meaning that, you know, the only thing sticking out is the clip. Everything else sits inside your waistband. It's very comfortable. It's very concealable. Um, as new gun owners, I think a lot of people are hesitant because they think it looks super uncomfy, but, uh, like I was saying at the beginning of this episode, guys, you get a good belt that goes a long way to taking the weight off your waistline. And, um, with the developments in men's jeans, you know, women have had this longer, but, um, the stretchy waist and everything or the flex fit whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's really comfortable and it's way more concealable. Um, carrying outside your waistband or OWB, <clears throat> It just isn't worth it. Um, unless for some reason, like you don't have a CCW, you don't have a CPL, you're waiting to come back. You have to carry out in the open and you have to carry outside your waistband. Um, in my opinion, there really isn't a reason to, otherwise you're just telegraphing to everybody. Hey, I have a gun. If something pops off, shoot me first because I can shoot back. That's, it's pretty obvious, but you still get these people that, you know, they're afraid to carry in the waistband and especially afraid to carry appendix because they they think they're going to shoot their ding ding off. But I mean, I've never really, I mean, I haven't worried about that in a long, long time. Um, and I carry, <clears throat> I carry appendix, uh, pretty much daily now. Um, talking about concealed carriers and, um, kind of the application of holsters and the application of, of carrying a gun every day, um, two, two, uh, acronyms here, CQB and CQBR. All right, CQB just stands for close quarters battle. Um, if you're moving through a structure, through a house, down hallways, through doorways, there's a lot of science that goes into that, um, that concept of close quarters battle or CQB, how to properly negotiate those angles, um, you know, when you want to get long, when you don't, the best way to position your feet coming through a doorway so you have maximum advantage and maximum speed and violence of action, uh, to assert yourself on, uh, you know, the, the enemy essentially. Um, now in that same vein, CQBR, this is something that's mis that gets mistaken a lot. CQBR means close quarters battle receiver, not close quarters battle rifle. Okay. Um, 
that it's a huge misconception, but the, the CQBR, the receiver, is the upper receiver of um, the, like the Mark 18, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, it started, it's, it's just the upper receiver, and it's built with a shorter barrel. It's built to different specifications, specifically to function well within the confined space, you know, indoors doorways, hallways, um, you know, inside structures where a longer barrel is going to be very difficult to maneuver um, and get up on target quickly and effectively so that you're able to get shots when you need to. Um, you know, maybe if you're a bigger guy swinging around a 16-inch gun, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, but if you if you try taking it through a doorway a couple of times, you'll, you know, rock that 16 and then go down to like a 10 and a half or an 11 and a half. You'll, you'll figure out real quick that that five or six inches makes a lot of difference. It's very, very beneficial. So when you hear somebody say CQBR, they're probably, they're probably referring to the whole rifle, but it it technically is actually just the upper receiver. Um, it's around a 10.3 or 10.5 barrel length uh, via the SOP mod program. And we'll get into that in a second as well. Um, but since we're kind of talking about um, SOP mod and, and some of those things, uh, some of the, the things you, that you hear thrown around when people talk about those LPVOs we mentioned earlier and stuff are things like SPRs, which is a special purpose rifle, um, DMR, designated marksman rifle, or a recce rifle. Okay, they all kind of serve vaguely similar purposes. Um, you know, SPRs and DMRs, what you usually see a lot of, especially when people talk about cloning rifles, is the Mark 12 um, or the 5.56 sniper platform uh, that was developed during the War on Terror to kind of take the existing um, lower receivers that the Army and, and <clears throat> not even just the Army, but the military had a bunch of that were already fit for 5.56. Um, and you extend the barrel out to 16 or 18 inches and you put a bit of a magnified optic on it, whether it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, one to eight or a three to 15 or something. Um, and it gives you that capability to have a little bit better target identification, positive target identification, um, and the ability to reach out and, and really support, uh, the troops in combat, um, better than just a standard rifle that's maybe only got iron sights or something like a Trigicon ACOG sight that only gives you three-time magnification. So uh, that was a very popular platform. If you've ever seen the movie um, Lone Survivor, um, I believe uh, there's a couple Mark 12s that are used in that movie. You can go check those. Anything with a magnified tube optic, um, I believe that that team had a couple of them. Um, but when you're looking at something like a recce rifle, that's, that's really popular today. Um, and it, it's kind of overused in my opinion. Recce is, I want to say it's, it's Irish or, or English, uh, shorthand or slang rather slang for recon reconnaissance. Uh, and, uh, again, you use one of those LPVOs on it, usually a one to six, one to eight. And it, it is same same kind of deal as the SPRs and the DMRs it just gives you the ability to, to look out a bit farther, to reach out a bit farther and, um, to really stretch out the capability of the five, five, six round, 
um, for your rifle. And I guess you could do it in other calibers too, but that kind of changes the game a little bit. Um, but when people say, oh, I'm building a recce rifle, <clears throat> that's, that's all they're talking about. Um, there's not a whole lot of specification past that. Um, it doesn't have to have a certain handguard or a certain barrel length, really. Um, it's usually a 14.5 or a 16-inch gun with an LPVO uh, chambered in 5.56. Um, but past that, you can do pretty much whatever you want. Um, but it is it is thrown out um, an awful lot in discussion. Um, one thing that I had mentioned previously, right? We were talking about the CQBR and the Mark 18 platform, um, which there were a couple versions of that. Um, something I mentioned, so we're going to get to in a second, was uh, SOPMOD. SOPMOD, uh, again, is something that's used a lot Um and I think it's misused the context wise. It is, it is misused, misapplied just because, um, people realize that it applies to the special operations. So they, they throw that label on anything and everything, you know, from knives to backpacks to whatever. SOPMOD stands for special operations, peculiar modification. And what this was, was a system like the Mark 18 CQBR, or what later came down the line was a full-on rifle from um, Heckler and Koch, the HK416, um, or even the M4A1 carbine. Um, basically, this goes it goes back to like 1989 with developing enhancements for like special operations weapons. But I think um, you did see the most growth and development out of this particular. Um, system or or program rather um on in the war on terror uh but it was a it was a specifically chosen set of kit or accessories to go with those aforementioned rifle platforms like the mark 18 like the m4 like the 416 um certain certain items that were um if you will a step up from what was normal so instead of just having iron sights um, your, you know, or your standard, uh, carry handle iron sights and just maybe, you know, an 18 inch barrel or something, obviously SOP mod Mark 18, you're down to a 10.3 inch barrel. Maybe instead of having a carry handle on top of the rifle, maybe you have a flat top with Picatinny rail and on there you can mount <clears throat> upgraded optics. They're going to allow you to perform better under worse conditions. Things like, um, you know, the, I mentioned the Trigicon ACOG site, which was a, um, a three times magnification optic and those things, if you get a, if you can afford one, those are like, they're damn near bulletproof. And they've, I believe they're still being issued today in the Marine Corps and things like that. Um, I believe the ACOG was part of the SOP mod program as well as, uh, you know, the, uh, Aimpoint T2, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, EOTech holographic optics, things like that. Um, infrared laser kits, you know, cause not every, not every unit in the military is issued night vision goggles. I know a lot of people think it's convenient to argue that the military does have those kinds of things. And that's why we all need to be afraid of the government. It, it, it's just not true. All right. Um, and even then when the, the night vision that they're issued is not always the greatest, um, <clears throat> you don't blame me, ask Sam, but I, I, I digress. Um, if you're running, if you're running night vision, you need to be able to aim your weapon. And a lot of the times you cannot aim through those small optics or you can't see your irons cause there's very little light. So what you have attached to your rifle is an infrared laser. Um, something like the at pile C, um, there's, there's a bunch of them out on the market now. I, I believe the at pile was, um, 
one that was included in the SOP mod package, but it includes a laser pointer. Um, so like if you've seen the movie 13 hours where they do the lassoing and they uh, paint each other or they paint the, um, the enemy combatants with the laser pointers, those can only be seen that infrared beam can only be seen with night vision. Um, something that people don't realize also is that, that, that laser unit comes with an illuminator. So it's like an infrared flashlight that works with it. Um, because night vision only works if there's other light for it to draw in. Um, so otherwise if it's like pitch black outside nods really aren't going to help you all that much without an IR illuminator. Um, and because of that, for the SOP mod program, that was something that had to be included, right? With some laser pointers and things like that. Um, the M203 grenade launcher that, that rides the, the M4 on the bottom of the quad rail, that, to, uh, that I believe was part of the SOP mod kit. There's a bunch of stuff. If you Google it, um, there's several diagrams and charts that point out all the different items, um, sites and, and you know stocks, things like that that could have been configured onto your weapon system, uh, suppressors, you know, from Knight's Armament, things like that. It looks like a, it looks like a goofy corn cob. Those were all, those were all part of, uh, the special operations peculiar modification program or SOP mod, uh, for short. Um, talking about SOP mod and, you know, we mentioned the Trijicon ACOG, uh, another, um, acronym that you see thrown around a lot. Um, and it's, it's, because it's become so synonymous with what, um, what it is. It's kind of like when you go and into the South and people ask you if you want a Coke and what they're really asking is if you want to order a soda or a pop, um, when people say an RMR, what the, what RMR is, is, uh, it's the Trijicon RMR. Um, it's one of the opt, one of the tiny optics you see mounted on top of the Trijicon ACOG. Um, you see them mounted a lot on pistols, uh, you know, People mount them on their Glock slides, their uh, SIG slides, things like that. Um, you can also mount them on a 45-degree angle uh, on the side of your recce rifle or things like that. But RMR actually stands for Ruggedized Miniature Reflex Sight, RMR. Um, so it's a common vernacular. People say, oh, you got an RMR on your pistol, and they could be talking about uh, you know, the Hollow Sun 507. Um, you could be talking about one of the Bushnell or Swamp Fox or one of the other brands. Uh, Sig makes some now too. Um, but it's just, it's common phrase to say, oh yeah, I'm running an RMR on my handgun. And what they mean is not necessarily that you're running a Trijicon RMR, but you're just running a miniature reflex site. Um, in that same conversation, um, something that you start, you, you, you can see people, uh, for me, I see a lot on the internet, but people can shorten down the name of, um, I would say the second most popular, uh, mini red dot that you see on pistols and, um, on a 45 degree on rifles and stuff is, uh, you see DPP, which is an abbreviation for Delta point pro. Um, that's the, it's again, same concept with the mini reflex site, but it's the offering from Leopold optics. Um, there's a lot of similarities. There's just as many differences, but, um, I thought it'd be worth mentioning in this discussion because you, you, you see those two the most, um, which I, I don't know how much longer <laughs> with the way that hollow suns come along They're They're really pushing the envelope on budget level, uh, reflex optics and what you can, uh, what you can do and afford for like half the price, you know, an RMR. I think I, I bought my, uh, in my actual Trijicon RMR for what's it, like 450 bucks. 
Um, and it's, it's really tiny for what it is, but you do know that sometimes you spend money, you get what you pay for. And, uh, Trijicon are, and their RMRs have a long and storied history of being like bomb proof. So you don't really have to worry about, you know, if it falls, uh, and, and if you ever have questions on stuff like that, um, you can reach out to us, but what I would recommend you do is go to YouTube and search Sage Dynamics, Aaron Cowan, um, and Sage Dynamics. He tests like every optic that's out there, but he really specializes in reflex sights that get mounted on handguns and he puts them through torture tests and zeroing and, and just all and burn down tests, running a ton of ammo through them and stuff. Um, so if you ever really want to know about that, I would, he is a great resource. I know he runs training classes, uh, Sage Dynamics. Um, but I really would recommend, uh, if you have questions on the, uh, any versions of the Trijicon RMR, uh, the Delta Point Pro or any of the other reflex optics or, and actually he does a lot of LPVO reviews and stuff too. So maybe if you have questions on any of that stuff before you go out and drop the money on some of these things, cause, um, you know, the RMR is about four fifty, five hundred dollars The Delta Point is about 400 to $500. Even the Hollow Sun version, uh, which is a lot cheaper, is around 250 bucks, which to, to, to a lot of people, myself included, is a good chunk of change. So <clears throat> before you run out and decide to just hit, you know, hit purchase on Amazon or, or whatever website you're on, um, if you're looking to do some research, I definitely recommend uh, Sage Dynamics on YouTube. Um, just moving on to the last couple things here, uh, while we're talking about optics, um, if you see, we, T, T, uh, T2, right. Um, that was something that was included, uh, in the SOP mod package, I think if memory serves me correctly, but when someone says, yeah, I just run in a micro T2, what they're talking about is a red dot site and it's not a reflex site. It's, it's an enclosed optic and enclosed emitter. Um, it's the aim point T2 red dot. It's super popular and Aimpoint's version is very, very durable. That's why they have the military contracts that they do. And a lot of law enforcement agencies go to Aimpoint. Um, if you, Hey, if you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, we talked about it earlier when we are talking about the term RPG, the tubular optics that the Delta guys were running were, and I don't think they were all um, period correct in the movie just because they're so hard to source now. Um, <clears throat> those longer tubular optics, I think they were aim point two thousands. Um, that was cutting edge in the beginning, in the early nineties. Um, and they, they were running them. That was Delta. So they got first dibs on the, the nicest, uh, you know, high speed, low drag stuff. Um, and aim point basically has a reputation. And I, I would, I would say it's actually past reputation and, um, more in the terms of a legacy, as there, as a company of providing just absolutely just tanks of optics that they have great battery life, the newer ones, um, they have great battery life and they're, they're stupid durable. I mean, you can do whatever you want to these things and, and they're going to, they're going to stand up to it. Um, the battery life is supposed to be like five years or something crazy. If you don't turn it on extra high, hell, even, even if it's two years, right, that's, that's pretty damn good. Um, there's a lot of, unfortunately, um, you know, there's a lot of copying of the design. So you do see, uh, pretty much every company has their own version of the T2, um, which seems a little bit more attractive because not expensive. The, the Aimpoint T2 runs you like seven or 800 bucks. 
Um, now that said, buy once, cry once being a rule that a lot of us live by or have learned to live by over time, you can find a way to justify it if you're never, ever going to, uh, ha- we want to have to replace it. Um, but I know Vortex makes their Crossfire 2 red dot. Hollow Sun makes uh, a bunch of offerings that look just like it and function just like it. Um, Primary Arms, uh, Crimson Trace, SIG, all those companies uh, model optics after the Aimpoint T2 because of the simplicity of the design and the, the um, and how rugged it is. Um, but if someone says, yeah, hey, I got a, I'm running this 16-inch uh, gun with the LPVO and a offset T2, that just means that it's uh, an offset red dot sight. Um, my question, people say that oh, I'm running off an offset uh, T2. Is it a real T2? And that's not me trying to shit on anybody's Wheaties, but I mean, I just, I want to know, are, are you Gucci enough to have, you know, like a $1,800 optic and an $800 offset? Or do you just not remember the model number and, or whatever that you're running? And that's, that's fine. I know people that run uh, like a Bushnell TRS 25, you know, my wife does on her rifle. It's fine. Um, but if you hear T2, that's usually what they're talking about. Um, and when we're on that subject, uh, the, the, the other optic worth mentioning that has kind of this vernacular, this, um, acronym name, which I don't even know if it's an actual acronym. I own one and I haven't really looked it up. So I, I've kind of failing my, at my fanboy skills right now, but, um, EXPS2, EXPS3, um, or I guess I, you could you could drop the E and it's XPS2, XPS3, um, but those are just, mo- again, just like the T2, they are model names of an optic. <clears throat> In this instance, they're made by a company called EOTech, which uh, represent, I own one, and uh, they're also a Michigan-based company with Michigan-based manufacturing, and they also have military contracts. Um, so while... The T2 is a red dot that kind of bounces the the laser off the front glass back to your eye. Um, Holographic optics like bounce that image back and forth like eight times, you know, so that you can see it. Um, And because of that, it is they're they're considered very very good optics because they're parallax free and all that. When we when we say parallax free, that means as you hold the optic up. Um, where you see that center bullseye sitting, no matter what angle you're at, and you kind of see it drift a little bit as you move your head around and everything, no matter what angle you're at, that's where you're going to hit. That's what parallax free means. Um, and on cheap shitty optics, <clears throat> um, parallax is a real problem because it may look like you're dead on. And if you're not actually straight up behind the, the optic, um, or the, the scope or whatever you want to call it, that, that can cause some problems. But, um, EOTech is a super, super rugged optic, just like the T2. Um, it is a little bit pricier. They usually run around 600 bucks, um, but they're, they're, they're tanks, man. You know, it's why they win the military contracts. And that's why you see, um, people opting to choose those over and over and over again, because they're the reliability and the positive experience they've had with them. Uh, and that other people have had with them that they recommend them so strongly. So just something else to, uh, keep in mind when you see, yeah, you know, I run a, I got a, a 10 inch or I got an 11 and a half inch gun with the EXPS3. Like what the fuck's an ESPS3? It's a holographic site from EOTech. You know, you don't have to pull out your phone and Google it, um, but it is pretty popular. So might be one you want to uh, take a look at and memorize. <clears throat> um, 
And then just a couple other ones. Um, you know, obviously we're sponsored here by MyMedic. So talking about things like when someone says an IFAC, IFAC just stands for Individual First Aid Kit. Um, obviously, MyMedic's offering the MyFAC is My First Aid Kit. It's just kind of a, a little play on words there. Um, you know, it's just, it's your your individual first aid kit. Play, I mean, the, the name says it all. Um, it's a kit that has enough trauma supplies to treat yourself. Um, it's probably in most, if it's a true IFAC, it's something that you carry on your first line, you know, something that's readily accessible. You don't have to dig it out. Um, and, and it's, you know, got a tourniquet for you and some gauze for you and maybe a chest seal for you. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot for somebody else. Um, you can, now that's not to say you can't use it on someone else, but it's, it's one person's, uh, one person worth of medical supplies <clears throat> past that. That's why if you're working in teams and stuff, typically you have a medic who has a larger kit, um, and has more supplies, uh, to make sure that they can treat a larger group of people. Um, but since we're usually running around with guns and doing stuff, even, even out hunting, right? It's important, in my opinion, it's very important that everybody have an IFAC, even if it's just like one of the EDC medics, um, like I was talking about that, uh, that I got sent. Something is always better than nothing. And if you have the essentials, you can do a lot with it. All right. Um, I actually have a video up on our Instagram that reviews the EDC medic. Um, in my opinion, that is like the absolute minimum you should travel with a tourniquet, gauze, gloves, and a chest seal. That's the absolute minimum if you're going to be carrying a firearm. Um, should you carry more? Yeah, if you're able to, but uh, like I'm saying, absolute minimum. Um, in that same conversation, you do see, you know, we talk about tourniquets and stuff. Sometimes you will see pouches that have either like sharpied onto it or they'll have a patch on it um, or a patch sewn into it that just says TQ. And all, all TQ is is a, is a shorthand for tourniquet. Um, tourniquets are really becoming, uh, popular cool guy stuff to have on your gear. Uh, mostly because not bleeding out is, uh, extra cool guy stuff in my opinion. Um, it's even cooler if you know the proper way to apply one. Um, I think you're starting to see a lot more people carry them, which is good, obviously. Um, but I don't think we're seeing enough people that carry them actually understand how to apply them and how to use them. Um, you know, a lot of these gun ranges now, like we talk a lot about Ann Arbor arms here. Um, I love Ann Arbor arms. They, they're about an hour from me, a little bit less, but they offer, you know, stop the bleed courses. Um, in addition to the wide variety of handgun training courses that they offer, because it's just as important having things like an IFAC, having things like a tourniquet are very, very important. If you're going to be carrying a fire, even, even just for hunting, right? Um, I feel like you hear about it all the time. People that get shot in hunting accidents. Um, you know, I was up North with Ryan, right? We're setting up his, his blind or his, his tree stand, whatever you want to call it. And honestly, if something were to happen and as some, one of us were accidentally shot, either, you know, through a hunting accident or the gun fell or, or you know, stuff happens, right? Um, <clears throat> being able to carry somebody out through that thick brush is not fun. All right. Uh, one of the things we actually spent time on was figuring out, all right, if I get a deer, where's my closest point of, uh, well, that comes to our next thing, which is exfil, my closest point of exfiltration. How am I going to get out with the least resistance? Um, <clears throat> having a plan for that, having a strategy to get out is 
is crucial when you're planning any operation or activity. You need to know, you know, if you get this deer, how are you going to get it out? Um, are you going to need somebody's help with it? If you don't have anybody to help you, how are you going to get it out without dragging the carcass, um, you know, the hide and everything all over the place, ripping it up, shredding it up, uh, possibly even ruining the animal that you just bagged because you're dragging it over jagged rocks and broken logs and, um, you know, sharp splintery wood and, and stuff. And even if you don't ruin it, then you got to pick all that shit out later. Um, <clears throat> it's not the end of the day, but it's just a pain in the ass. So, um, knowing your limits and having a good plan in place to get out, knowing how to exfil properly, uh, appropriately and properly is essential. Okay. So not to be overlooked, um, even for, uh, you know, stuff as simple as hunting. Uh, it, it really is crucial. Um, and then, and then just on the flip side, that is obviously your infill, um, or infiltration, uh, how you're going to get in, you know, and that's, again, that's not a lot of people look at it and they go, um, the same way you're going to come out dumbass, And, uh, and that's not true. Um, in military operations, you may not be able to get out the same way you came in and vice versa for, a lot of different reasons, um, enemy troop movement, things like that. But in specifically talking about things like hunting, you don't want to scare away the animals that you're trying to hunt. So maybe your infiltration or your infill plan is going to take you 40 minutes on foot to take your time and quietly get to your tree stand. But that's because you're looking at a different direction and it gives you a much, much shorter, um, exfiltration. Okay. Um, whereas if you come in from your exfil point, everyone's going to know where you're at because you're right there and you don't have to go very far to get to that point. You're going to sit there. You're not going to see fucking anything. And it's going to be a short, shitty, miserable fucking hunt because you did something dumb and lazy. All right. So having, um, appropriate planning measures put in place is highly recommended. Uh, and this is coming from the guy, by the way, that, that doesn't hunt, right? I don't, I don't hunt. Um, I've been out turkey hunting, uh, one time and I do enjoy getting up when I can, uh, to Northern Michigan out into the, the great wild there. And, um, you know, learning from Ryan, things like how to, how to track what to look for, uh, things like, uh, deer and elk rubs. Um, I actually, and it's, it's crazy up there. It's like a totally different world. I had a deer just walk up, um, just from years and years of them learning that there's certain parts of the ranch where we're at where there's never any hunting because it's residential and there's no hunting allowed. So we saw deer everywhere, people's front lawns, all over the road. We walked out the side door of the cabin. I think it was, we're going to put up the, the tree stand and there's a six pointer just staring us in the face about eight feet away. Like I shit you not. Again, there's a video on my Instagram of this and he's just hanging out. Just want to see what's up. He licked my hand. He licked Ryan's hand. You know, uh, it, it's a super surreal experience up there. It's, uh, it's, it's wicked cool. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Um, you know, if you don't get out uh, and interact with nature, you're, you're really missing out, especially like right now, if we're all working from home and everything, like I was about ready to fucking lose my mind. That's why I, I talked to Ryan. I'm like, Hey man, whenever you're going up, let me know. I, I don't even, I don't give a shit. I just, I need to get out of here for a little bit. And it's nice because you don't spend your day staring at a screen. You don't spend your time typing away on shit. You're just out enjoying nature for what we got. We got rained on the second day. You know I mean? I didn't fucking care. It is a good time for me to, you know, you, you unplug, you unwind. Um, Saturday night, we did go watch some college football and go to the bar, eat some pizza, you know, just do dude stuff. But, um, anyway, you know, um, 
I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, or at least learned something. Um, I think that there's a, a pretty large gap in the knowledge and the communication, um, with, and this is, and even within the preparation community within the two a community, uh, I think that you have people that are very much, um, entwined in the, the hunting culture, in the outdoors, um, in the hiking piece of things. And then you have a lot of people who are very much like tethered to the flat range and target shooting, tactical shooting, and all of those skills. And I think that the more that we can work to kind of merge those worlds together, right? Um, be able to bring each other into both pieces of those conversation, the better off we'll all be. Um, you can learn a lot from somebody. And I do learn a lot when I go hang out with Ryan. Um, Ryan has spent a lot of his life outside doing stuff like fishing, hunting, hiking, tracking, things like that. I have not. Um, but I do have a lot of knowledge about things like firearms and and a lot of the other stuff that we talked about here. So, um, it's always very interesting when you put people like him and, and me together, um, and we've known each other for close to 20 damn years now. Um, but it is always interesting to me when I look at the, how we communicate on some things. Um, and you know, and sometimes I don't have to say anything and he'll figure it out. But a lot of times he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Just being me. Um, this is what I mean. And it's like, dude, you got to go there. Like, okay. Well, yeah, I remember who I'm talking to or, you know, and that's, that's not even just him. That's all the time. It happens to me at work and stuff too. Um, but the more we can kind of help bridge gaps in the community, uh, the better I think we'll all be, the better we can communicate with each other. And then the better we can communicate, the easier we can all learn together. And that's what it's really about. So, uh, like I said, I, I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this. I, it was something that I just, I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know what, that this happens all the time. People that are like real into guns, people that are real into to prepping and survival, like where we just, we speak our own language and, uh, there's lots of people don't know. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't get said and it's like, Hey, well, you just gotta, that's like your rite of passage into the communities. You gotta just learn that shit on your own somewhere or have someone explain it to you. And that's, to me, that's a little bit bullshit. You know, I think we need to make ourselves available and make ourselves resources, uh, as much as possible. So, uh, that's it for, for this week's episode, everybody. Uh, I, I do hope it was informative if nothing else, uh, until next time though, like we say, you know, uh, work hard, raise your standards and always be prepared.